the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program have been pre-recorded. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today. The blue shirt version of The Ride Home today. How about that? If you're uh, looking at us uh, at home, the word Pittsburgh on YouTube, and uh, we're dressed this way. We're dressed, you know, you know how, um, I, I don't know if this is true. I, I, it probably is true for most people. I put on a tie today, probably for the first time in two years. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. That's something. Wore a tie today. Yeah, I wore a suit today. Yeah. Probably for the first time in right. two years. Right. And it was pretty loose, wasn't it? It was very loose. Uh-huh. Even my wife was like... Oh, what's going on there? So, it's fine. But I did make up for it because I had four donuts. Oh, did you? <laughs> I mean, four, you know, they're not real. Were they mini Could I call them mini donuts? I think you could. I mean, I had four They're of those. very small donuts. I popped I'm those sh- in there. I'm sure they had really carried no caloric weight. No. no. Some psychic weight, I'll tell you that. What's the name of the place, the uh, donut place? Peace, Love, and Little Donuts. Oh, those were good. Mm-hmm. Peace, Love, and Little Donuts. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Which one did, there were, there were two. Which one did you prefer? Uh, the powdered sugar, the, not the powdered sugar, the, um, glazed, the, no, the one with the jimmies. No, the other, one. I don't know. What did he have? I don't did know. He, he had his own box. You apparently. must have. Cause I felt like they were all the same. Yeah. I thought there was one with jimmies and then one was the frosted. other one was like frosted. Yeah. Frosted. It has, frosted. Yeah. Isn't that what glazed is called? Yeah. No, glazed is with the cream. Uh, I, no, no glazed. glazed. No, glazed is just what's on the outside. Oh, no. Frosted well, is with the frosting. The frosted, uh, it was. Uh, I, I like the just basic. I like to, don't you like just a plain donut? I'm not a donut fan. Oh, Christy, you like a donut, don't you? I do like a donut, but give me like all the sprinkles and all the all yeah. the stuff. How about a cream filled? Yes, mm-hmm. all day. Now listen, if it's a Boston cream donut, that yeah, tastes nice. like Boston cream pie, which is one of my favorite things. How about a lady lock? Would you call that a donut? N- well, I would <laughs> call it in the donut family. I'd call it's it a the- pastry. In the pastry family. I'd say they'd be on the cookie table at the wedding. The little tiny ones, the little finger ones. If there were big ones, wouldn't that be a great wedding? Oh, big ones. Can you imagine? A big one would be like, you know, you were raptured. Wait a minute. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Wait, wait a minute. I hope I'm holding two lady locks full size and then I'm raptured. Wait. I mean, boom. Yeehaw. Boom. Hey, Lord, thank you. I'd be like living my my best life then. Wait. Uh, cannoli oh cold like a cold super mm-hmm. cold you've just finished a really nice meal in an yeah. italian mm-hmm. authentic italian restaurant and then they bring you two ice cold cannolis mm-hmm. with a hot cup of coffee oh my god now we're talking i think cannoli is like a lady lock perfected mm. no i'm not gonna go that far because i like a lady lock because i like these sort of um the cr- the <laughs> Oh, 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 oh look. is that a donut? <laughs> look, someone just threw donuts at Can me. Can I see that? Look, mm-hmm. okay, so I the see that. one, this is called icing. Yeah, uh, okay. that's icing. <laughs> that, oh, this is not glazed. No, This is just not? sugar covered. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is sugar covered. Can I see the sugar covered? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to take a look at it. Mmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Listen, there's nothing better in life than a donut. I'm surprised. Why don't you like a donut? It's just, it's not my thing. Mm. I, I'm trying to show you the peace, love, and the donuts box. So at, at this point in the Daily Show, we have the top four at four, except today I've had technological breakdown. And when I say technolo- technological breakdown, I mean, I mean 100%. Mm-hmm. For some reason, there's no internet in my office. There's mm-hmm. no internet to get between my computer, my laptop. I have a computer, a desktop. I have a laptop. And I have an iPad, and none of them have any internet. My office is fine. Okay. So <laughs> if I would... But unfortunately, I do neither the top four at four no. or the daily calendar. No. So... <laughs> I'm just eating a donut. So today's show is going to be a little unhinged, I'll mm. tell you right now. No, no. Okay. That's not unhinged. Okay, so as far as... Can I give you some news stories off the top of my head? You must. Okay. Okay, so one of them is that... Um, the those who have kidnapped the missionaries in Haiti are demanding seventeen million dollars for their release. So seventeen people were kidnapped. They're saying, yes. "Give me a million bucks each." Yeah. So seventeen million dollars. The good news is that there is communication, right? That yes. these people have not, not vanished into the Haitian hillside. Right. Listen. However, one of the children that was kidnapped is eight months old. Haiti is a tiny country. You don't think they know probably where these people are? A good well, idea. Where I they sure are? hope so. I sure hope so. Uh, I also want to tell you that um, it's Mike Lang night at uh, the paint. Pens are going to honor Mike Lang, who retired this summer mm-hmm. uh, after 47 years as a Pens broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And he said he's going to be uh, attending tonight's game as a fan. Whoa. And will be smiling like a butcher's dog. <laughs> so uh, apparently all of the attendees tonight, all the ticket holders, are going to get little Mike Lang-isms that they can cheer at an appropriate time. You'll see those on eBay later. During tonight. I'm excited about that. I can't wait to watch the game. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward. Christy, are you excited about that? Always excited about that. Won't that be good? Listen, didn't they do one last year? I have a Mike Lang glass. Oh, do you? Yeah, from last year. I had a friend that went to the game, and I had him pick me one up. I don't remember that happening. How about that? Of course, I wasn't at a game last year. What do you mean you got one picked up? Like, there was an extra one around? Um, no, I think you could buy them oh, okay. at the whatever that store. Yeah, no, that. or like in the the pens. This, yeah. yeah, yeah. She had a friend, right? Who bought her one? Because mm-hmm. that's a good friend. Yeah, it was a very good friend. Speaking of good friends, Christy bought me some donuts. Oh, the extra donuts. That was Wait, nice. we should say this today was Pal, right? The fifteenth annual Pastors, Pastors Appreciate. Appreciation Luncheon. Right. Jack Graham was there. Mm-hmm. What Jack, a prince! Jack did a terrific job. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of great donuts, and um, I felt like. Uh, the salad was also delicious. Yep. I ate two of them. I thought so, too. <laughs> I thought so, too. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, listen, we have a um, a panoply of uh, conversation ahead. We sure do. do. Coming up next, drones have changed the moral calculus for war. Uh, Paul D. Miller is a professor at Georgetown University. He'll join us next to talk about the debate on drone strikes. It goes just beyond the casualty numbers we see of civilians. We'll take a quick break. Step away. Finish up with the donuts and some other housekeeping things we need to do. But uh, stay with us, please. Stay with us. We got to. We're just getting underway here. WORD. Tony Evans from The Urban Alternative wants you to discover your purpose. Why am I here? 
That's a question of purpose. Most of us spend a lot of time making a living, not a lot of time making a life. Let God show you your purpose with a free devotional from Tony Evans, Called for a Purpose. Get your free Called for a Purpose devotional from Tony Evans at wordfm.com slash purpose. If you're in the market for metal roofing, siding, and garage doors, Kaufman Metals in Bedford can meet your expectations with friendly professional service. Their equipment is right up to date with the newest technology and ready to produce your standard and customized metal panels and trims to your exact specifications for any project with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Plus, Kaufman Metals offers complete do-it-yourself building packages included with computer-generated drawings. Kaufman Metals also provides sales and service for CHI residential and commercial garage doors. They deliver any order, large or small, to any place with full-service rollback trucks and trailers with a Moffett forklift to set building packages conveniently close to your project. And just so you know, they offer contractors discounts as well. Visit KaufmanMetals.com or call 814-623-6044 or stop in at 6146 Lincoln Highway, Bedford, PA. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I was finishing undergrad and got credit cards because I couldn't work full-time. So that started the credit card journey for me. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. And then when I got married, we combined our credit card debt, and it became impossible to pay off on our own. At that point, I was like, I don't know where to turn. And then I found Trinity. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt, which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. With today's technology, anyone can take a video. But getting it ready for prime time, that's something many churches aren't equipped to handle. Here at Salem Video, we offer churches everything they need to go from rough cut to picture lock. With your raw footage, we can produce great-looking videos through social media, podcasts, website, and even live service element. From text animation, visual effects, transitions, logos, music, and more, here's where we put it all together. What can Salem Video do for you? Ask GM Brad Marshall at 412-503-4770. I think if you talk to 10 Christians, you would get 10 different opinions about war. The justification of it, uh, is that right or wrong? Is war necessary? What about a peaceful a peaceful prospect looking at the world as opposed to engaging with an enemy? I mean, there's so much to be said about war, especially from a Christian perspective. And then you drill down into drone warfare or ways to fight war, and it brings a whole other questions. I mean, I'm sure encyclopedias or libraries can be written about war and drones. Well, Paul Miller is with us. We saw a piece at CT, Christianity Today, where Paul was interviewed talking about drones. And and drones are something, I think, that fascinate us. I mean, fascinate me. You You think about Amazon and the promise of, you know, drones delivering your, you know, spumoni to your front doorstep. That, that's one thing. 
But drones murdering people from afar is a whole other thing. Paul Miller, as I said, uh, was part of a CT uh, podcast. Paul is a professor of the practice of international affairs at Georgetown University. He's a research fellow with the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. And, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. So, Paul, Paul, the things that we have, I don't know, learned over the years in the category of just war theory, um, how do those even apply in this new era of drone warfare? And if they do, what things carry over and what things don't? I think those categories do apply. I think that um, the standards of justice are timeless and they apply across uh, time and culture and technology. What we have to do is make sure that we use technology in the right way. Um, Just war theory tells us that we have to fight with a just cause. I don't think drones have a whole lot to say to that. Uh, but that we also have to fight with discrimination and proportionality. Drones have actually been very good on that score. They've actually enabled us to um, carry out more surgical strikes against terrorists and our enemies and to uh, strike with uh, the minimum necessary force. Mm -hmm. In that respect, drones have actually been helpful. There are other ways that uh, drones introduce uh, danger to fight war in an unjust way. We can we can get to that. But I think I, right off the bat, I'd say there are some good things about uh, drone warfare. Yeah, I, I, I agree with this. Now, Paul, I was surprised um, that, you know, when uh, President Bush sent troops in uh, to the Middle East, that they didn't first send in drones. I mean, you, you would imagine how, how the war in Afghanistan, 20 years of the war in Afghanistan would have been so different if it had just been a drone-only war. So my understanding is that he did. Um, it's not clear that we're, we yet understand the full extent uh, to which the drones were present from the beginning. But uh, the tech, drone technology was invented 10 years before 9-11, mostly as a tool of intelligence and reconnaissance. And it was precisely after 9-11 that uh, armed drones first made their appearance on the battlefield. They were still few in number, and they were still sort of maturing that technology. But it was certainly in the early years after 9-11 that uh, the armed drone became more and more prevalent on the battlefield. I see. So uh, I'm sure people haven't seen or read a lot about drone warfare, but I imagine that, you know, there's people sitting in a darkened room somewhere, a United States soldier. I don't know how many would be in a room at any particular time operating their single drones and then scouting the landscape for said targets. Can you describe what that looks like, you know, drone warfare and the mechanics of what that is? Well, I served in the Army, not the um, Air Force, uh, and I did not have any direct experience with the drones. So I, I don't want, I want to qualify my comments here. For sure. But I think you're, you're, you're kind of basically right that uh, there are drones are more accurately called remotely piloted aircraft. And so you have a pilot, but they're simply not in the cockpit. They are sitting at a desk uh, half a world away, uh, and they're staring into a computer screen. Um, and the, it doesn't entirely matter where they are in the world, and that's the advantage of un, unmanned pilot aircraft, uh, that it removes the pilot from from any danger. Uh, it does depend upon some pretty sophisticated communications back and forth. You have to have satellites that can a signal and so forth. Uh, and so this is a high technology that could be uh, prone to disruption, um, but, but it does have its advantages. It does. Now, okay, now, in the piece that I talked about as I brought you in from Christianity Today, uh, the report of a drone strike on August 29th, apparently the last drone strike of the war in Afghanistan, came with um, a, a lot of perhaps misinformation and miscalculation. Can you tell that story to our listeners? 
So I said earlier that drones enable us to strike with more precision. It's not quite the drones that allow us to do that. It's better intelligence. When we know where the enemy soldiers are, then we can strike them with greater precision with the drones. So the drones are only as good as the intelligence. And that usually comes from uh, soldiers and intelligence assets on the ground near the target. As we withdrew those from Afghanistan, our intelligence got worse and worse. We simply didn't have a, as good of an idea of where the bad guys were. We weren't able to corroborate information that was coming in from some sources. And so sometimes our drone strikes don't hit the intended target or they hit civilian targets instead. I do want to say that that's sort of always been true in warfare. Um, and if you look at World War II, it's, it's actually kind of ghastly if you read about the amount of civilians that um, the Allies killed in World War II. So it's not new that drones have accidentally killed civilians in combat. Um, it actually is true that we've killed fewer civilians with drones than with other conventional bombing. I, d I don't say that to excuse it at all. Of course. But I want to highlight the importance of good intelligence. And good intelligence usually does come from a ground presence or some kind of presence in the theater that lets us get close to the target. Right, which only speaks to the surgical strike capability of a drone, right? I mean, if you're looking for five bad guys or ten bad guys and it happens to be one bad guy with family members, then, of course, it highlights just the, the loss of civilian life, so to speak. Yeah, that's right, that's right. In this article in Christianity Today by Ted Olson, um, he cites the British-based Bureau of Investigative Journalism, which counted that the U.S. military conducted more than 13,000 drone strikes in Afghanistan over the years. Um, so that gives us a little bit more of an idea of how many um, strikes we're talking about. And so when we focus on one that went terribly wrong, obviously the cost is inordinately high because we're talking about individuals. Um, however, it is a lot of drone strikes. Um, so in your opinion, how, Paul, do we think, how do we evaluate um, the morality of it? You know, I mean, is this, are, are the, is it even, is it tasteless to say, are the percentages paying off? Are, are they, you know, are they making sense to us? Is that heartless or is that really the, the right moral way to look at it? Well, it, it depends upon the reliability of those numbers. And uh, we won't know for sure for, for many, many years until historians can really unearth and write the kind of comprehensive account. I'm familiar with a, a database from, I think it's the, Center for New American Century uh, or Center for New American Security, they, they've been tracking this stuff for many, many years, and their estimate is that civilian casualties may make up, I think it's between 7 and, and 10% or something like that, um, which, again, is, is quite a bit better than, than the percentages in, in World War II and Korea and Vietnam. You know, the era of precision guided munitions and drones have been much better uh, than previous conflicts. For me... The, the drone, the troubling part about drone warfare is not about discrimination and proportionality, because I think they've been better than past forms of warfare. The troubling part about drones, and, and where it's harder to say, is it worth it, is this. Um, drones have made war easier. Uh, drone warfare is easier, uh, essentially risk-free for us. Um, it is uh, not costly. And when you make something cheaper, so to speak, you're going to increase the, the frequency of it. And I think that over the past 20 years, it's been much easier for our commanders and for our presidents to resort to drones because it's just the cheapest, easiest tool, even if they maybe should have considered 
um, a riskier form of warfare that also had a greater chance of victory. Right? Perhaps the reliance on drones, where we're just kind of playing whack-a-mole with terrorists and not addressing deeper root causes of terrorism or political violence in Afghanistan, maybe that reliance on drones made it too easy to ignore everything else. And maybe that's one of the reasons Afghanistan ended up the way it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's a much bigger conversation, but I, do, but I, do, I am concerned that the reliance on drones was, was a bit of a problem. Right. And so up to this point, of course, we've been talking about us, the United States of America. We hold the drones. But what about our enemies? I mean, do you ever wonder or worry about the idea of a Pearl Harbor drone attack somewhere here in the United States that our enemies somehow would have access to that and take out reactors or, you know, cities? I mean, is that a possibility? It is a possibility. Um, And by the way, we do not have a monopoly on drones. Scores of countries have drone technology now. You know, it was new 20 years ago. Now it's old hat. Everybody's got drones. Perhaps you remember the opening ceremonies of the Japanese Olympics um, just a couple of months ago, and they had a beautiful display where they used drones to create a globe in the sky. And it was wonderful. And my first thought was, what happens when they weaponize this? They had had 2,000 drones in the sky that were uh, synchronized by computer. So just imagine the military application of that. And you, you said, could they take out a reactor? Could they do a Pearl Harbor? Those things are imaginable. Do I think that somebody's going to do it tomorrow? No, because it does require quite a bit of high technology and sophistication, and terrorists don't have that, thank, thank God. Um, could a state actor do it? Yes, but we're not quite in, in a bad situation where somebody like China would consider doing it. Could they do it? Yes, they could. Uh, is that the shape of the next big war? Possibly so. Paul Miller is a professor of the practice of international affairs at Georgetown University and a research fellow with the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Paul, our time's almost up, but um, before you leave us, I want to ask you what we know about the uh, psychological, emotional, spiritual effects of drone warfare on the people who are operating the drones. Um, You know, they're inflicting, you know, fatalities on people who are often, you know, tens of thousands of miles away. Um, What's our knowledge base about about the effect of that? That's a great question. There's sometimes a view that for the drone pilot, it's essentially a video game, and uh, they don't have they, they pay no psychological cost. And I think that's that's absolutely wrong. For the pilot, um, it's real because it is real, and they know that there are human beings on the on the other end of the drone and the drone missiles. And um, as anybody who's been in combat will tell you, there's always a psychological toll. Uh, there's a, a stress to it um, that comes not necessarily from your own life being on the line but because of what you know you're participating in. Uh, everybody who's worn a uniform has known that, that psychological toll uh, when you're engaged in a life or death struggle. Um, and so I think that we should be aware of that and uh, recognize the, the, the service and, and even and, and the sacrifice of drone pilots and make sure that veterans of all kinds get, get the support they need in whatever form that looks like. Yes. And Paul, before you do leave us, we started this conversation talking, you were just walking by um, the idea of just warfare, especially as Christians. Here you are on a Christian radio station talking probably, I'm sure, to a largely Christian audience. We are supposed to be pro-life people. What about that? What about a Christian response to war? 
how do you navigate through that whenever you think and talk and, and work in your field? Well, Romans 13 says that, you know, God has uh, ordained government to exist and they do not bear the sword in vain. A government is um, an ordinance of the Lord for our good to uphold order and execute an earthly form of justice. And when there are uh, people who disrupt that order with violence, the only option is to meet that in turn with violence. And that is what government exists for. And we hope and pray that we only do that when justice and peace and order require. And that's what we Christians should support. We should support a just war. As I believe the war in Afghanistan was until the end, uh, we were protecting ourselves and indeed protecting the world from terrorists, I would say, from barbarians who were ready to murder and kill for their, uh, their, their evil ideology. Um, sadly, with the way we ended that war, I think it was essentially an unjust ending. By, it, was a, it was a dereliction of duty to walk away from our responsibilities that way. And I, I lament that. I'm a veteran of that war, and I, I mourn how that has come to an end. And I just pray that we will still be protected uh, through our better homeland security and, and so forth. And I hope that we don't have to go back. Paul D. Miller, Professor of Practice of International Affairs at Georgetown University. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Miller. Very interesting. Thank you. It's a very serious question about some very, very large things happening worldwide. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Everywhere you are, they are too. Advertising that wants you to refinance, get a mortgage, or cash out refinance. I mean, you've heard it here on Word FM. No doubt you've heard the advertising for United Faith Mortgage right here. A good family with great rates. An easy process to go through. All that and more. But maybe to you, it's just more background noise or just something else you want to get away from. That is, until you need a mortgage or are thinking about refinancing, honestly. What sets United Faith Mortgage apart from all that static is their faith, the daily struggle, because you're trying to live it too. If you're thinking or ready to buy, call United Faith Mortgage first. You'll be happy with the conversation, the service, the work ethic, and ultimately, the great rates. Refi too. Call United Faith Mortgage with a direct lender advantage. Faith and family, and they don't hide it. United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses. But all at once, I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. Your life, your hopes, and whatever you were searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free. 
with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. The way I describe it for people is my dad shot himself and the bullet hit everyone in his life. It was a week before my 30th birthday, and I had this impulse to call him, but I didn't because I thought I could call him later that week. 63 Americans a day die by gun suicide. With safe gun storage, we can give our loved ones a second chance at life. Learn more at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. We'll see a moonlit sky for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 47. Mostly sunny skies on tap for tomorrow. A great day to be outside. We'll see a high tomorrow of 70. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy skies with a low of 52. Thursday, cloudy skies. Expect a couple of showers. It will be breezy in the afternoon. We'll see a high Thursday of 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. For decades when I lived in New York City, I, I often thought about the fashion world only because I had friends who worked in, in that fashion business and also because walking down 7th Avenue in New York City, that whole there was a whole neighborhood that was just all fashion related. You would see people pushing gigantic carts down with, you know, coats or tops or dress. I worked with a guy, uh, an Asian guy, Phil Toy, and his mom who at the time was probably in her late 60s, early 70s, worked in what Phil described as a sweatshop. And he said that she did so willingly in her old age because that's where her community was. Mm. So the fashion world, is, I think, is really interesting. I mean, you know, there's economics involved and the idea of what people are wearing and all that. I just I'm always sort of love the idea of, of what fashion's about. Well, I saw a piece today that there's a, a Baptist watchdog, watchdog group, and they rate fashion suppliers, fashion creators, in an annual ethical fashion report. So uh, it, it, they're saying here from Religion News Service, I'm reading, the fashion industry continues to struggle with wage gaps and sustainability, according to a report from the Australian Christian Watchdog Group, despite marked improvements in how the industry treats workers. Quote, we have seen considerable progress in the fashion industry. Baptist World Aid Australia publishes their annual ethical fashion report since 2013 uh, as part of its efforts to alleviate global poverty and challenge injustice. According to the report, the global fashion industry, which employs some 50 million people, is one of the top five industries most at risk for complicity in modern-day mm. slavery. Mm-hmm. Now, brands are rated, fashion brands are rated in five ga- five categories, which include environmental sustainability, I don't know what that means, human rights monitoring, and worker empowerment. Popular brands including H&M. I don't ever go to that store. Okay. Uh, is it? A, I don't, it's mixed. It's, it's mixed. Okay. H&M, Converse, and Patagonia earned an A rating. While I like my cons. You know I do. Yeah. I'm excited about that. And while stores like uh, Roxy and Forever 21 earned an F rating, mm. the average company wow. score for most of these uh, companies was a D, 
for work on wage improvement and worker unions. The report also found that 15% of companies are paying workers in their supply chain a living wage, a drop of 20 from 20% in 2019. It's so hard to know. What do you where, know? You don't know. When you, it doesn't I mean you, we could sit here and dish on Forever Twenty One, but no, it doesn't matter because it can happen in any store you walk into. And you go to you know where, Macy's or Sa- the high retailers mm-hmm. to the low retailers, right. and everybody's making their way here. I, yeah, I it's really it's really hard to figure it out when you're the consumer. It really is. I'm not saying that it gives us an excuse not to try. I don't want to be lazy about it, but I'm also saying I think it's. I think we have to acknowledge that this is not something you can wade into. You can walk into a store and find out what their whole, their no, whole supply chain is. I don't think so. I, I just am grateful that there are people who like do. this organization right. who are invested in that and raise awareness about it, however it might mean that we work it out or not. Largely what we're saying is we're not because by the time we get to us, how do you know? You know, the brands that you're buying are fair and right. Speaking of fashion, yeah. let me tell you that uh, Britain's Prince William – don't hit that button yet – Prince William uh, founded something called the Earthshot Prize, which is an environmental prize. Um, But he became disheartened by what he perceived as lackluster efforts to combat climate change. So knowing exactly what you just read Mm -hmm. about the complicity of the fashion industry, not in trafficking, but in climate issues because of the shipping of multiple, you know, of huge issues and that sort of thing. Anyway, he and his wife decided that when they went to the uh, big event last night, they were going to wear old clothes. Old clothes? What does that mean? Like last week? He wore pants that were 20 years old. Hey! Mm -hmm. Who was? Prince William. That's Prince. Single mom's next. 101.5 WORD. We love our pastors, don't we? Well, here's how you can show them undeniably that you do when you enter the Pastor Appreciation Rest and Relaxation Getaway Giveaway. Enter for your pastor's chance to win a seven-day getaway for two to the Cove in North Carolina. Includes airfare, meals, a $500 Visa gift card, and more. Show your pastor you love and appreciate them for the hard work they do. Enter this and other giveaways at wordfm.com slash contests. You're putting tears of joy on the faces of Christians around the world. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. We've spent the last few weeks sharing the tremendous need for Bibles in places like Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America. We've given you specific examples of Bibleless waiting Christians who are now going to have God's Word. And perhaps you're wondering, what's it like when they finally get a Bible? Hear from this pastor in South Africa. We were in a place called Mpumalanga. The lady there, she knelt down and she cried. At the age of 60, she never had a Bible. It is so much fulfilling just to see people rejoicing um, when they receive their Bibles. Pastor Joseph said that woman, when she received her Bible, didn't merely say thank you. She wept for joy and Word FM listening family. That's what you're doing, putting tears of joy on the faces of Bibleist believers all over the world. Our goal is 5,000 Bibles. You know we're far from that, but you can keep us moving toward it at $5 a Bible. Call 800 Yes Word, 800 Yes Word at wordfm.com. Don't let pests scare away your business. Get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. When cold drives pests and rodents inside, Boo and his Bug Stoppers team has your business covered. Get a free quote on your pest control and sanitation plan for the upcoming year with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee to treat your problem until it's gone. When it comes to solving your pest problem, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. 
cleanliness and safety are essential to the success of any business. That's why Cintas has introduced our Total Clean program, a one-of-a-kind service that includes scheduled deliveries of essential cleaning supplies, hygienically cleaned uniforms, and on-site sanitizer and disinfectant services to help eliminate germs. Learn what the Cintas Total Clean program can do for you. Oh, I'm ready! Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. I have two children, and it's just a lot of work. I mean, I love them like heck, but I, I mean, I was totally unprepared when I had my first child. The what it was going to be like. I think everybody is, you know, that you could sit across from somebody and explain what it's like to be a parent, but until you're one, you don't, you're not, you're never going to get it. It's just not going to happen. Um, so I'm not too hard on myself, I guess, when I think about the fact that I didn't realize what. It, what it was like. However, just the amount of effort and the amount of attention it takes and just the complete reversal of what is a priority in your life. It's just, it, it's, it's a really shocking change and I cannot, I cannot imagine doing it myself. Tons of women are single moms. Tons of women do this every day. They get up and they care for their kids and they go to work and they make dinner and they pack lunches and they go to church and they they do things that are mathematically just don't seem possible. And so I'm interested in talking about this with Jennifer Maggio, who's the founder of The Life of the Single Mom. I'm telling you, this is such a terrific website. I can't wait to hear more about the actual organization. Jennifer, so happy to have you with me. Thanks so much for having me. So let's talk about you first, and then I want to talk about this organization you've started, which, I mean, has so many tendrils, so many resources, I can't get over it. Um, What's your story, Jen? Uh, Well, the very short story is um, I was a single mom at 19. I had two children and um, found myself living in government housing and kind of trying to figure out what it was to survive financially and emotionally and, and spiritually and all of those things that many single moms find themselves in that in that pattern of and really how to dig myself out of the hole that I'd gotten myself into. Okay, so what helped you figure that out? Or who helped you figure that out? Well, I would say, number one, I, I had been raised in church and um, really felt like I couldn't go back there. I'd had these two children outside of marriage, which is, you know, single moms have a variety of different types of stories, but that was mine. And and so I felt a lot of shame in that and felt like I was not um, welcomed in the local church. Now, not suggesting that was true, but Satan was masterful at convincing me of that. Okay. And um, and then made a decision one night that things couldn't get any worse than they were. And so I would load those babies up and take them to church the next morning. And it changed everything. Really? Okay. All right. So I want to go back to something you said that, you know, maybe that wasn't true that you weren't welcome in your local church, but that's how you felt. Um 
Could the church have done anything? I mean, that just pains me so much. I mean, we're supposed to be a pro-life community. The fact that we're not supporting women who have children is just, it's a repudiation of what we say we believe. So mm. is there something that your church could have done to allow, to allow you to recognize their commitment to you and your kids? It's such a loaded question you're asking because I I agree with you that the the pro-life movement in general, there's so much in regards to single mothers that um, ministry could be expounded upon. But I'll answer your question. I I think that um, for me, the heartache that I endured – it was like the weight of all of the sin in my life, the weight of the abuse I had. So all those things were what kept me kind of limping back to the church. Um, and so I don't think it was anything that they did as much as it was my own value and feeling very unseen. Um, I can remember a time, honestly, where I didn't even get a hug for weeks on end. And I think sometimes maybe that's the short answer is that women would would be seen, that they would know that they had been seen, Um, because I think that's where I was, is I felt like I was unseen. Yeah, of course. I, all right, so talk about your decision to bundle your kids up and just go. Yeah, so that was um, with, I think sometimes you get to that bathroom floor moment where you, you feel like it can't get any worse. So I always say I had no money. um, I had no friends and was at the place of hopelessness quite uh, candidly. I kind of felt like I was at the brink of suicide, like, like I could not do it another second alone. Um, And my two babies were about uh, 17 months apart. And so, you know, the complexities of just raising kids and then, um, and so it was that crying out to God that I wasn't even certain existed. It was that moment of saying, if you're out there, Lord, please rescue me. And so it was out of desperation. Um, it was because I was hungry and they were doing a potluck after um, Sunday service that day. Sure. It was all of those things. And it was, I can't make it without some type of help, some type of relief. And so I would love to say that it transformed my life in that in that one moment, um, but it was a decision to keep going back even when things were hard. And I think that's the place that maybe a single mom out there needs to know is even when it's hard and even when they miss it and maybe you don't feel seen, that you just keep getting up and going again. Jennifer Maggio is my guest, founder of The Life of the Single Mom, thelifeofthesinglemom.com. Jen, that is the case for every person, is just getting up and going back. I mean, the first time is usually, like you said, it's not like the heavens opened and all of our problems are, you know, not our sins aren't absolved instantly and our problems gone away um, the first time we show up at church. But it's that continual commitment to relationship, to learning who God is and being known by the people there that really can make all the difference in the whole experience. So how, this might seem like a ridiculous question, but how long did it take for you to start sensing that there was a difference? I think it's a, it's a great question because we all, as believers, want to have this um, you know, mountain moving experience where we come in and all of the weight has been lifted and all, all of the challenge has been lifted. Yeah, exactly. And but the truth is, is that it's always a journey. Most of the time, it is indeed a journey. And so there would be um, one thing that I would tackle. So maybe it was, for example, tithing. That was a, a whole part of my story is learning that journey. And then and then there was the sin where I was, 
shutting the bars down every Friday and Saturday night, and I was in the church on Sunday mornings. And so there was that was part of the journey, and sexual immorality was another part of the journey. So it was almost like a year's journey. It wasn't like I had the truth one time, and then I just decided to lay everything down mm. in my life. Yeah. Um, and I... I say that because I, I need the believers out there to know that there may be someone in your life, a loved one, a, a daughter, a coworker, and you're ministering and you want to see the immediate result. And the truth is, is that you may never. It, it may be a lifelong journey that goes beyond you. And to so be encouraged really to know good. that the seeds planted grow. Yeah, that's really good, Jen. So what kept you going back? What was your um, What was your church like? Yeah, what was your church like? I just I want to know what was it was it something that somebody said to you? Was it just you gritting it out? I mean, what made you keep that connection? Well, there were a few things. So my mother was killed when I was very young, Mm -hmm. and uh, she was a a piano player at the local church. And so I think there was always this draw for me to the local church because I I wanted to be. I felt like it was a connection to my mother in some ways, as odd as that may sound. Um, And then also, as a little girl, there was so much abuse in my life that uh, church was a normal thing. Even when everything else was chaotic, even when there were so many other things going on, as a little girl, I can remember being dragged to church and there being safety there for that moment. So I think this, this desire for safety, this desire for um, an encounter with God, um, this desire for community when I felt so alone were all the things that drove me back. Um, and then I'm going to tell you, a, a widow with three children was my Sunday school teacher when I went back. Really? And she was the one huh. that drew me in time and again. Because you felt like, okay, so she was able to do it? Yeah, she got it. She saw me. There was a softness about her. Even now, as I talk about it, and this is many years ago, there's something that just pulls my heart that she loved me. And she knew I was struggling, and she knew I was a mess, and she loved me anyway. And it it was evident in her eyes. Oh, my gosh. I love that. What's her name? Uh, Miss Allie. Miss Allie. Gosh. Good to speak her name, right? Uh, yes. J- Jennifer Maggio, founder of The Life of the Single Mom. Um, okay, so then fast forward. So you, you made a commitment to the local church. Um, you evolved in your understanding your uh, of God, of community over those next years. Then what happened? Then I, um, several years later, I found this place of, okay, I can do it. I, I am I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm whole. God has redeemed me and set me free. And I'll never talk about that single parenting journey again. It's kind of where I had gotten this, these secrets of abuse and unwed pregnancy and all of the things. I wound up marrying. My, my husband adopted my children. And I kind of had my happily ever after in many regards. But I never forgot those moments of of being suicidal and living in the projects on food stamps and welfare and all the dark moments. And so God um, brought me full circle and burdened me for these women. And and that's kind of how the life of a single mom began was that burden to help someone else. Mm. Okay, so you didn't want to do it. You wanted to stop talking about being a single mom. Um, God brings you around. And so did you go kicking and screaming or did you kind of think, all right, I am equipped to do this? Oh, totally kicking and screaming. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it was, I had become very successful in corporate America, and I kind of thought that I would retire there. And um, and just remember after I had, um, my husband and I had a third child together, and, and as I gave birth to her, and I can remember being in a hospital room alone, giving birth to my first two children alone, and, and what that was like, and the, the heartache of break, bringing them home and, and doing it all alone. And then the Lord had restored everything and how that experience with my husband was so different it drew me back in and and that was really what led me to leave the corporate job and and start the nonprofit wow okay so let's talk about the life of the single mom jen what is it so it is we're on a mission to see that no single mom walks alone the goal is that the church the local body of christ would see these women and see that we are in crisis in our country and fatherlessness is um just a pervasive issue that impacts every other part of the church of our communities and we need to be very active in how we minister to these women and children Mm. I love that. I have been involved in the anti-abortion movement for decades, and I, I just cannot abide any person, any philosophy that stops the care for the woman or the child at birth. I mean, if we're pro-life, we're pro-life the whole time. We're pro-life. That means that we care for women who've decided to carry their child, and um, and we have a responsibility there. We have a responsibility to care for one another in incredibly physical ways that matter to people on a day-to-day basis. Um, So Jen, talk about what the organization has been like. I mean, when did you found it and where are you guys now? So we're in our 10th year, so all glory to God. It is, um, it's been a long 10 years, but a, a super rewarding 10 years. We have launched a little over 1,600 single mom support groups and churches. So really our model is to identify churches that have a heart for moms and want to do something very intentional. And one of the things that's really important about the ministry that we do is that we're long-term ministry. So it's not like a 12-week parenting class, which certainly there's a, you know, there's um, good value in that, but it's it's really beyond that. It's looking at the whole mom for a long time, and how do we do life with her over the 20 years that she may be parenting alone, um, and teaching churches how to do that well. That's good. That's really, really good. So people are listening, and they're thinking, first off, you know, I'm a single mom, and I could take advantage of this, or, you know, I have a friend who's a single mom. Um, they go to your website, which is terrific, by the way, The Life of a Single Mom. There's so much stuff on your website. Talk about how someone could – how do most people engage with you? Yeah, so there's a few things. Uh, first, look and see if you can find a support group in your area. Are there churches in your community that already offer the Life of a Single Mom program? And if there isn't, consider starting one. Does your church have a single mom's ministry, and why not you? Mm-hmm. If not you, yeah. then who? So that's what you really begin with. And then beyond that, um, we have a really cool platform called Single Mom University, and that's where a lot of our moms will initially connect. Um, it's just life skills, uh, 160 classes online that you can take. And I mean, literally everything from sex and dating to parenting to overcoming abuse to pretty much any gamut of single mom centric subjects. Hmm. Well, Jen, I, I really appreciate you. I mean, we've just met what 16 minutes ago, but I really appreciate your story. I love what you've done with this. And please, you know, consider us a resource. We'd love to talk again. Make sure that um, the life of the single mom is something that everyone knows about. 
Well, thank you. It's been a joy. Absolutely. This is Jennifer Maggio. She's founder, The Life of the Single Mom. You can find her online, thelifeofthesinglemom.com. I mean, just an absolute ton of resources. And I love what she said. If there's not The Life of a Single Mom group at your church, maybe you're the one to start it. I find that patients just want to be heard. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. That takes time to sit down and listen to what the patient has to say. Listen to their past experiences, because that's all important in how I then present treatment to them, formulate a treatment plan for them, and how we move forward with their treatment at our office. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. It's finally time. Time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new Factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement. Offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That is windowsruspittsburgh.com. We all know healthcare costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. Hi, this is Joe Belanti with J&D Waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-BERRY-DRY. That's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings on basement waterproofing, bowing or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects. Or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com. J&D Waterproofing, family owned and operated since 1939. Israeli scuba diver has salvaged an ancient sword off the country's Mediterranean coast that experts say dates back to the Crusades. Wow. Israel's Antiquities Authority said Monday the man was on a weekend dive in northern Israel when he spotted a trove of ancient artifacts that included anchors, pottery, and a meter-long, a yard-long sword. The diver was about 150 yards off the coast 
in five and a half deep water when he made the discovery. He said the area that he's in provided shelter for ancient ships and is home to many archaeological treasures. Now, fearing his discovery might be buried, the diver took the sword ashore, delivered it to the government experts, the authority says. The weapon is estimated to be over 950 years old. I was going to say, it has to old. be almost 1,000 years old. How about that? I mean, you see a picture of it. It's encrusted with all these, like, you know, sea mussels. Or whatnot, I love it. In the shape of a sword, and he's holding it up. They're going to clean it off. Put it's it on like display. he found Excalibur. Kind of in a way, yeah. It's made of iron. Um, wow. Israeli authorities gave him a certificate for appreciation of good citizenship. But he appreciated that. I think he'd rather keep the sword. Man. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin is pushing back against a key provision in the president's Build Back Better bill. Manchin continues to oppose a $150 billion investment in clean electricity that's central to the Democrats' clean energy agenda. Without Manchin, Democrats likely won't be able to pass the Build Back Better bill through the reconciliation process. On the other hand, without the environmental provisions, the bill will almost certainly lose the support of other Democrats in the Senate. Asked about meeting an October 31st deadline for a deal on the 2 to $3 trillion package. Manchin told reporters, quote, I don't know how that would happen. Bob Agnew reporting. Health officials laying out plans to let most Americans buy hearing aids without a prescription. The announcement is a long-awaited move intended to make the devices more accessible to millions with hearing problems. The Dow up 137 points at the NASDAQ, 83 points higher. This is SRN News. Why are cash-out refinances such a big deal right now? Uncle Ryan tries to teach me something. I will say one thing. You know, I really feel like right now might be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I've been doing this for 18 years now, and I've just never seen a market where the rates are so low and values across the country have skyrocketed as much as they have. That combination, um, I remember one couple in particular, they were looking to do some home improvements at the house, but they were worried about their payments going up. Well, with rates being so low and them building up so much equity in the home over the last few years, we were able to get them the cash out for those home improvements and their payments actually went down a little bit. Every single situation is different, but it does happen more often than you think. So it definitely does not hurt to call. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. I'm Pastor Bill Brainsma of the Pittsburgh Protestant Reformed Church in Forest Hills. You are invited to attend our annual Reformation Day lecture held on November 5th at 7 p.m. in our church. I will speak on the subject, Augustine of Hippo, his life and influence on the Christian faith. Augustine was born in A.D. 354 in northern Africa. Before his conversion, he led an immoral life following after many of the heresies that plagued the church at that time. After his conversion, God used him to establish the truth of original sin and the doctrines of grace. Join us for an evening of instruction. The lecture is free of charge, and there will be refreshments served in the church basement for those who wish to enjoy a time of fellowship afterwards. 
For the address of the church and information, look us up at prcpittsburgh.org or call 412-727-6811. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things that concern our Lord Jesus Christ. Few purchases are more personal than a mattress. There is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all mattress that can meet everyone's needs. At the Original Mattress Factory, we know that your comfort and support preferences are unique, so our team is committed to helping you find the right fit for you. With our no-pressure shopping experience, you can take all the time you need and make a purchase when you're ready. Visit an OMF location today to experience the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Don't let pests haunt your home this year. Get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. When bats and rodents move in, Boo and his Bug Stoppers team are ready to serve them an eviction notice. Get a free quote on your pest problem today with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee to safely treat your problem until it's gone. When it comes to solving your pest problem, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. We'll see a moonlit sky for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 47. Mostly sunny skies on tap for tomorrow. A great day to be outside. We'll see a high tomorrow of 70. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy skies with a low of 52. Thursday, cloudy skies. Expect a couple of showers. It will be breezy in the afternoon. We'll see a high Thursday of 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Portions of the following program have been pre-recorded. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today. An absolutely gorgeous Tuesday afternoon here in the city of Pittsburgh. If you have, um, what do you call it when you don't have enough... uh, Iron? No. uh, Sun in the winter. What's it called? (laughs) Despair. Vitamin D? Yeah. But, like, they call that, like... Sad. Seasonal affect disorder. <laughs> yeah, seasonal affect disorder. Yeah. All of a sudden, the three of us were like a really uh, bad team for a game donut. show. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you have seasonal affective disorder, yeah. today's your day to stock up. Too bad you couldn't like it and store it up. Well, that's my. That's the thing. I'm. I'm. I brought that up. I think last on last uh, show last week, where I know the problem with solar power right. is that you can get it, but it's very hard to store. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same problem with. Like us getting our own individual solar power. Uh, you know, uh, we can fr- get it, but we can't store. Can't it. store it up. A friend of mine gave me this, like in like April of last year. He gave me a giant light. He's like, oh, like one of those lights. Yeah, that you said, would, he, yeah. He said, would you use this? I was like, I don't. He goes, why aren't you using this anymore? He goes, I just gave up on it. So he threw it my way. He was so depressed. Yeah, he had so much seasonal After affective long, disorder. He couldn't cold turn the light on. Winter. Yeah, that's really bad. Hey, listen, we had a great time at our 15th annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon at the Double Thank Tree by Hilton. Thank you to those today. of you who showed up today. It was a really fun morning. Lovely and so uh, great to meet a lot of people. There were donuts eaten yep. by a lot of Word FM staff. I will say that. Lots of music. I don't know if I can speak about the people who were at the event, how many donuts they ate. Mm-hmm. Though there was a table of people I liked very much who sat down. and I went over and said, hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. And they said, we're glad we're here too, but there's no donuts on this table. What? They got a donut-less they table? They had a donut-less table. But I cared for them and because uh, I, I knew if I were in their position and 
didn't get like the door prize or whatever it is, I would feel left out. Sure, of course. So I went and found some donuts. donuts, Jack Graham was our uh, keynote speaker. Excellent. Yep. Thank you, Jack. All right. Stay in the course. Doing some evangelism as well was Mm -hmm. the call. Very good. Anyway, uh, we uh, had a technical uh, file up. Man, I had multiple technical foul-ups that were all happening simultaneously. And so, therefore, I was not able to deliver the top four at four, as I do on a daily basis. Right. So, I would say this. For the first time ever, we'll do the top four at five. This just feels different. Of course it is, because it's five (laughs) o'clock. For Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. All right. Bring it. Number one. A gang that kidnapped 17 members of a U.S.-based missionary group is demanding $1 million million ransom per person. I couldn't even say it out loud. Although authorities are not clear whether that includes the five children being held, a top Haitian official told the Associated Press today. The official who was not authorized to speak to the press said someone from the 400 Mwozo gang called a ministry leader shortly after kidnapping the missionaries Saturday and demanded the ransom. A person in contact with the organization, Christian Aid Ministries, also confirmed the $1 million per person demand, which was first reported by the Wall Street Journal. The ages of the adults being held captive range from 18 to 48, while the children are eight months old, three years Six years, 13 years, and 15 years. Number two. Britain's Prince William, we talked about this in our first hour, Mm -hmm. founded the Environmental Earthshot Prize a few years ago. And he has become disheartened by what he's perceived as lackluster efforts to combat climate change. So he arrived at this year's prize ceremony wearing a green velvet suit jacket. John, I wish you could get one of those. I'd like to sport that. A green velvet suit jacket that he had worn at an event in 2019, along with a pair of 20-year-old trousers. Just sitting in the closet. According to today's Washington Post, the eco-friendly attire was apropos as guests gathered to watch this year's winners scoop up 1 million pounds. That's $1.4 million to you and me for their solutions to the world's most pressing environmental challenges. I know, it's deep with irony. Scientists concerned about the climate say the fashion industry has its own part to play when it comes to protecting the planet and have called on it to strive to more sustainable goals. The older outfits, though, seem to wow the British tabloids, which declared that the prince, second in line to the British throne, was, quote, channeling James Bond, hmm. as did many others in social media who branded the 39-year-old dapper. What do you think about that? Like Kate that. also wore an old dress, did she, though? which good. looked brand new. Who are we kidding? That's a big closet they have. Number three. A casual walk in Lower Manhattan just got a bit more interesting and really weird. Okay. Really, really weird. A towering statue of a woman's head can now be seen when walking along the Hudson River. Did you hear about this? No. According to USA Today, it is a massive structure called Water's Soul. It is 80 feet tall and is now on the Jersey City waterfront where the woman can be seen with her pointer finger over her mouth. Although it looks as if the woman is shushing New York, artist Jaume Plensa says that is not what it means. The artist said it symbolizes quietude, John, and empathetic self-reflection. The structure was made with polyester resin, and it was shipped to the U.S. in 23 containers, according to Reuters News Service. It is Plensa's biggest piece of art to date, and it has slowly been put together since August, leaving many onlookers in New York City extremely curious. I like it. It's kind of weird. Okay. Did you look at the picture of it? I'm going to look at it right now. It's super weird. And number four. 
It is Mike Lang night at the paint as the Pens honor longtime broadcaster. Mike Lang, who retired this summer after 46 years with the franchise. Lang will attend the game as a fan for the first time in more than four decades. Other fans in attendance will receive a cheer card with one of Lang's iconic phrases on it. He said, quote, I am more than honored to share this night with the fans of Pittsburgh. He said that in a statement in today's trip. I will be smiling like a butcher's dog while I enjoy the hockey game. Mike Lang, 73, was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 01 by virtue of winning the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award, an honor given by the NHL Broadcasters Association. And that, my friends, is your top four at five. Very nice. We'll take a quick break. When we do come back, there is a uh, show that has been new on Word FM, uh, fairly new, and Alan Jackson is going to be with us in just a few minutes from uh, Alan Jackson Ministries. The show premieres Monday through Friday at 9.30 here on 101.5 Word FM. We look forward to having Alan with us next. Stick around. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. We are the ride home on 101.5 Word FM. 101.5 WORD. I won! I won! Yes! And we want you to win, too. So sign up to receive our contests and sweepstakes updates. Each Friday, you can see new opportunities to win. We regularly give out prizes from books, music, and merchandise to household items, even vacation trips or car payments. Stay up on all the fun. Subscribe to our contests and sweepstakes updates, mailed each Friday. Sign up today at wordfm.com slash subscribe. Okay, some good news during a challenging time for everybody, and this could really help. You may know hundreds of thousands of people have already made the switch to MediShare, which is the affordable alternative to health insurance. And with so many people looking at how they pay for health care right now, seeing premiums going up or the cost of COBRA plans, MediShare has a special offer and a lot of people are taking advantage of it. Simply apply by October 30th and they will waive your new member fee. That's $170 savings. And of course, that's just a start. The typical family saves $500 a month after making the switch. MediShare is a Christian community that has shared over $4 billion in medical bills and it's worked beautifully for decades. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Here it is. Call 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE. Confused about Medicare? Let me help you navigate the maze. My name is Tom Yakupin, agency owner at West Penn Life and Health in Washington. My staff and I represent several Medicare health plans that you know and trust. And we've helped many people just like you with caring personal attention. Medicare can be confusing, so now's the time to schedule your meeting with me where you can ask questions and get answers you'll fully understand. Call today and ask for me, Tom Yakupin, at West Penn Life and Health, 724-228-7187. We offer real solutions for life, health, Medicare, and annuities, and we're a member of the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating for a reason. Call West Penn Life and Health right now, 724-228-7187. And ask for me, Tom Yakupin, 724-228-7187. Or find us online at westpennhealth.com. McQueen Building Company. 
It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. In the beginning of COVID, our church essentially, like every other church, shut down. And then after several months, we were invited back to worship uh, with uh, mask protocol. Sure. And then, lo and behold, they were like, okay, we're good. We can take your masks off now, you know, a few months after that. And then a few months after that, it was like, you know what, Um, my bad, put your masks back on. So in the mix of it all, you know, people that I know and love from church have gone. Some people said, I'm so happy to be back. Other people are like, I'm done with this. This is crazy. I'm going to go find someplace else where we're not, you know, masking or, you know, I I go back to any number of churches where where they're not going to do this kind of thing. So I I do know this, that and this is not like letting some big secret out, right? Church attendance everywhere is down. There's been a sea change. So whether it's the fight over masks or vaccinations or apathy or people just got comfortable sitting on their couch at home and, you know, doing virtual church, the church, uh, what we expect and what we know and what we love may not ever return to that format. There may be a new day upon us. Well, Alan Jackson is with us. Alan's got a show that has premiered here on Word FM Monday through Friday at 930 a.m. Alan Jackson Ministries. And Alan, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm great. It's good to be with you today, John, both you and Kathy. Thank you. What do you think about that, Alan? Uh, do you think we'll go back? And if we don't go back, is that necessarily a bad thing? No, I don't think we're going back. I think I think we have embarked on a journey. And I'm not sure that the landing space is precisely clear just yet, but I don't think the objective is to return to where we were before we ever heard about COVID. Right. Okay, that's good. So, okay, so that shouldn't be our goal is to go back. Um, a lot of people, though, long for when, you know, things were simpler, right, when we weren't all fighting about masks and vaccinations and all of that. And, you know, we didn't have family members who had gotten so sick, um, loved ones who'd passed away. I mean, I guess there's no way to move. It's kind of like being in a war of sorts is that there's really no way to go back because we're all different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the challenges we face have, have grown far beyond just COVID. There's no question that COVID has been a challenge and a threat and has brought a great deal of change to our lives and some anguish. But it feels more to me like we went to the doctor and we got a diagnosis that we didn't really want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not news that was particularly good, but the awareness that there's a challenge that needs to be addressed reframes how you're going to live. And typically we would make healthier choices and better choices so that we have a better future. And that's what it feels like to me that we're walking through is that we, we had something happen to us that we would have preferred not happen. So, okay, so duly noted, now let's figure out a way to make a better future. And it's appropriate to grieve for a while that we've lost some things because of the disruption of COVID. But I really trust God to bring us through to a better place. I think we're more aware of what's happening in our schools. I think we're more aware of our churches than we were. I think we were taking a great deal for granted. I think we took for granted supplies on the shelves in the grocery stores. I think we took for granted supply lines. Yeah. I think we took for granted a trust in the media. I mean, I just think there's a lot of things that have come into play. And my hope is that it will stir the hearts of God's people 
And we will respond to God in such a way that it will please him to bring us through to a better place. Mm, That's good. Yeah, I think you're really spot on there, Alan, that, you know, we did take a lot of things for granted, right? I mean, here in a, in a first world country, we sort of got, uh, for lack of a better phrase, kind of fat and lazy with our expectations of how the world would operate. So can you speak to that, you know, in your own life? I mean, I'm not sure, you know, what happened to you personally. Maybe you could share that with us over COVID. Was there was there a period of contemplation? Did you become more contemplative? Because I think that happened for a lot of people that, you know, we weren't going to church. And so we found other ways to worship, perhaps deeper in, into God's Word or through worship music or whatnot. What were those early days of COVID like for you personally? Well, in, in some ways, I felt like, you know, I've been a pastor for several decades, and I felt like my own leadership was exposed a bit. I would have told you pre-COVID, in fact, I did say that there was nothing that would cause us to miss a worship service. If a tornado hits the building, we'll stand in the bed of a pickup truck and have church with whatever is remaining. And um, I I made that statement, and that was on a Thursday, that we'd be having church on Saturday. And on Friday, they started closing the businesses in Nashville and sending people home. And so I had to call the leadership team in the church and say, I'm going to eat a little bit of crow. We can't have church this weekend. And so it was humbling. You know, I, I had been arrogant and overconfident and boastful and for eight weeks, we closed our building and only had live stream. And, and we, didn't, we didn't adapt very quickly. You know, they said two million of us might die. And that's a very sobering statement to make when there's no science to counteract it. That's a powerful statement just yes. to lay on the table. And we didn't want to put people unduly at risk. And so for eight weeks, we just live streamed. I put on my suit and tie and came and stood in an empty room and preached to a camera. I look at those tapes now and I think, that's kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. Everybody was sitting on their couch in their pajamas having coffee, and I was dressed up like I was going to a formal. <laughs> but at the end of eight weeks, National Day of Prayer was coming. And we'd begun, by then we'd understood that uh, some of the projections were not quite coinciding with what we were watching. So we just decided that we would gather for National Day of Prayer outside. I live in Nashville, and none of the artists were working, so none of the tour gear was out. So there was a lot of gear available. And we put up an outdoor stage and... We, we didn't want to have a big crowd, so we said, let's do it on three days so we can spread the numbers out a little bit. And we came and we stood on the stripes in the parking lot, so everybody was staying at least 10 feet apart. And we were afraid to touch one another. Nobody was bumping elbows or fists. We were just waving at one another. But it felt so good to be in the presence of other believers that we said, we can't give this up. And so we came back the next weekend and had church outside, and we thought, well, it'll be for three or four weeks. And we were outside for almost 14 months. Wow. But we found a value in community that wasn't based on comfort and convenience. We were shocked at the extent to which our lives had been rooted in the comfort of church. You know, the music style we wanted or the temperature being just right or our children having a classroom organized the way we wanted. And when we couldn't be together, we found we, we missed a strength that came from being with God's people. And so it's grown in our hearts a whole new appreciation for the body of Christ and the honor of being together. You know, we have more people worshiping together now on the weekends than we had before COVID. Fabulous. But it's a different group of people. They're, they're driving further distances. The ones that are here are far more grateful to be together. Uh, and we're still working it out, you know, one week at a time. Pastor Alan Jackson is with us, Senior Pastor of World Outreach Church. He has been since 1989 in the uh, Nashville, Tennessee area. Um, so talk to us, Alan, about the people who've never come back. Um, John and I have friends who we saw before COVID and we've never seen since. 
right? Um, I'm sure that's the case with you as well. How do you approach that as a church? Do you have a strategy for that? Is it just kind of a, well, we're going to be here whenever they feel comfortable? Or how do you think about it? <laughs> I'm a planner. Are you? You know, I like a planner. Before COVID, I, if you'd wake me up any from a dead sleep, you tell me what day in the year it is, I can tell you what the whole team should be doing. COVID taught me the, how frivolous most of my plans were. Um, I have a compassion in my heart for people whose lives have been dramatically disrupted by COVID. Some of them because they have had underlying health concerns that have changed how they interact with the world. Some of them because of their life circumstances, they were unusually susceptible to the fearful messages that have just cascaded over us. There's a lot of components to that. So I don't presume to have a strategy. We've worked really hard to put together a, a far more robust um, set of digital tools for people to get content from church. We changed our whole pattern of worship services. We used to do five services a week, but I would preach the same message four times. Right now we're doing three services a week, but each service there's a different message because it has felt like that there was so much instability that people needed the stability that came from the Word of God. Um, we have thousands of people that are participating through digital and live stream platforms and our apps and our websites um, that we're not doing that pre-COVID. So while the way we're worshiping is different, I, I don't know that we've lost people. I just think we're having to restructure how we receive. We shop in different ways than we used to. You know, almost everything about our lives is different. Our children learn to go to school in a different way. Uh, you know, the, the, the image in my mind before COVID, I used to make fun on a regular basis of the Exodus generation because they were slaves for hundreds of years, and God supernaturally delivered them from slavery. And when you read through Exodus, it seems like they grumbled every day. And I, I have made a career out of making fun of those people and how stubborn they were and how hard-hearted they were and until COVID started, and no two days have been the same since then. And I went back and looked at the Israelites, and the truth is, once Moses said, we're leaving here, the rest of their lives were defined by a constant set of change and experiences that they'd never had before. They'd never seen plagues come like that. They'd never seen the Red Sea part. They had never eaten manna from the ground. They'd never seen a tabernacle. They'd never had a priesthood. You know, everything about their lives was different, and it never resettled into a stable, normal place. They continued to be a nomadic people following a God they were getting to know. They knew the gods of Egypt. But they had never collectively, as a nation, worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that feels like what we're doing. We had a pattern of life and a pattern of worship, and we could quibble about architectural style or which biblical translation to read. But I believe God has invited us forward. I believe it's a deliverance. And I believe the church will come through it more alive, more robust, more active, more faith-filled than we've ever known it before. We may grieve a bit some things we've left behind. I think that's normal. But we don't want the grief to own us. We want to acknowledge the loss and then recognize that God's inviting us to a new place. So I think it's a hopeful time. Excellent. Well, Pastor, I certainly appreciate your optimistic perspective that God is still God, and he calls us to be in communion with him. And all will be right and well, of course, one day. That's our hope as believers in Jesus. So thanks for reinforcing that to amplify that on our show. It's my privilege. Thank you for what you all are doing. Our pleasure. Alan Jackson Ministries, Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. here on 101.5. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. We'll take a quick break, step away. Uh, we've got more going on here. When we come back, does this make sense? Does this make sense? <laughs> Thank you. 
pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course, we have great eats inside, too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Do you know how much you're really paying for life insurance through work? I can almost guarantee you're overpaying for limited coverage. I'm Joel Clark, a select quote agent for over 20 years. My clients are shocked to learn how expensive life insurance at work really is because of a rate that's driven up by unhealthy people. Why pay more when you don't have to? For over 35 years, SelectQuote has helped people save 50% or more by shopping highly rated insurance carriers. I even found a 40-year-old man with high blood pressure, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Don't wait. Workplace Open Enrollment is here. Let SelectQuote save you money and get you the coverage you need to protect your family. For your free quote in just minutes, call 1-800-659-8080. That's 1-800-659-8080. 1-800-659-8080. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Full details on example policy and carrier ratings at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Price could vary by health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Don't let pests scare away your business. Get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. When cold drives pests and rodents inside, Boo and his Bug Stoppers team has your business covered. Get a free quote on your pest control and sanitation plan for the upcoming year with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee to treat your problem until it's gone. When it comes to solving your pest problem, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Are you interested in helping people with addiction? Do you want to help others through private practice counseling? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Counseling degree, as well as a Ph.D. in Counselor Education and Supervision. Visit waynesburg.edu. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. We'll see a moonlit sky for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 47. Mostly sunny skies on tap for tomorrow. A great day to be outside. We'll see a high tomorrow of 70. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy skies with a low of 52. Thursday, cloudy skies. Expect a couple of showers. It will be breezy in the afternoon. We'll see a high Thursday of 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Does what make sense? Styrofoam. I got something in the mail yesterday. Opened up the box, and you hear the sound. And then you see... White particles flying everywhere. And then my cats are like, 
pouncing, munching. I'm, t- you know, don't eat that. Let me grab that away. John, does styrofoam make sense? Well, ecologically, I will say that. It's a complete and total disaster. I mean, it's one use only. It fits the product that it you know comes in, but it secures that product. So your TV set or your laptop or whatnot, it's not broken. So as a packing tool, it makes perfect sense. But everything else, when you're done with it, what do you do with it? Nothing. So to be honest, it really doesn't make sense. There's got to be a better way. That's what I think. It doesn't make sense to me. Styrofoam. Does it make sense to you? No. All right, good. You know, I can't stand... The, the, I can't stand all the peanuts going everywhere. Those little white particles you talked about are worse. They're hard. Because you, you can't even vacuum them no, up. They ev- stick to your clothes. They're, they're all over everything. But your TV set or your laptop or what, it was right. came in pristine right. condition, okay. did it not? But let me say this. Mm. Even worse is the squeaky, squeaky. The sound of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, no. That's like nails on a chalkboard, <laughs> people. That shouldn't be. I'm no. telling you, that does not make sense. Well, Kathy Emmons, until you come up with something better. I like those those like blow up things, you know. Oh yeah, sure. I like that. I'm, I'm in favor of those. All right, so styrofoam. No, nope. I say it doesn't make sense. Okay, does this make sense? Cash, cash money. Yeah. Look, I used to have like you know my change bottle. Right. Everybody had. I rarely put money in there mm-hmm. anymore. It's like rarely. I mean, I'm, it's not often that I've got change in my pocket, let alone folded bills. Mm-hmm. I'm just tapping my card my way across America. So I think certainly money's going to go away soon. But I love it. I love the feel of it. I love the look of it. When you go to another country, don't you love to see their money? Yeah. Sadly, though, I don't think the cash money, what do you think? Well, John, the first thing I would say is, of course, it makes sense because, you know, digital is like, you know, there's going to be a moment where if we don't have access to digital. Right. You know, broke. information, we're broke. But now that money doesn't mean anything either, you know what I mean? It's not like there's a gold right. standard. Dog that, coin standard. That That's every bit, every bit as like, as um, like artificial as your, you know, uh, what do you call it? Your ATM card, your debit, your credit, whatever it is. So I don't think it matters. So money, hard cash does not make sense I still sense like to it. You. I want to say yes. Can I say yes? Can I, I change? I say no. 101.5 WORD. Okay, everybody in the car. Where are we going, Daddy? On an adventure. Yay! Adventures in Odyssey. It's not just a kid's show. It's a show the whole family can enjoy. Listen on this station. Adventures in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM. WORD. If you're in the market for metal roofing, siding, and garage doors, Kaufman Metals in Bedford can meet your expectations with friendly professional service. Their equipment is right up to date with the newest technology and ready to produce your standard and customized metal panels and trims to your exact specifications for any project with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Plus, Kaufman Metals offers complete do-it-yourself building packages included with computer-generated drawings. Kaufman Metals also provides sales and service for CHI residential and commercial garage doors. 
They deliver any order, large or small, to any place with full-service rollback trucks and trailers with a Moffett forklift to set building packages conveniently close to your project. And just so you know, they offer contractors discounts as well. Visit KaufmanMetals.com or call 814-623-6044 or stop in at 6146 Lincoln Highway, Bedford, PA. If you can fix the big stuff, you can fix the small stuff. For over 100 years, QDOT has fixed big mechanical systems for the commercial industry, from hospitals and factories to churches and schools. You deserve to be treated fairly when it comes to your home's HVAC system. QDOT can solve any mechanical challenge, big or small. For affordable repairs, replacement, and maintenance, QDOT answers 24-7, 365. And your safety is their top priority. Call 412-366-6200 at q-dot.com. Hi, we're Katie and Ryland Weber, the founders of Convive Coffee. For more than five years, the heart of Convive has been to serve our community by sharing life and great coffee together. Sourcing beans from around the world, Convive coffee samples and roasts right here in Pittsburgh. Come visit your local Convive Cafe at Adams Shops in Mars, McCandless Crossing, and Butler Street in Lawrenceville. We hope to see you soon at Convive Coffee. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, it's more than a team name. A warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. To learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year. And to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. Life is so precious, and I can't imagine being in a circumstance where you spend your life trying to save lives, but also seeing the end of a life repeatedly, that same pattern again Mm -hmm. and again and again, and having to be that person who steps alongside in that savior role, but also delivering the bad news of that road that's well-traveled by those who have passed before you. Dr. D.W. Lauren is with us. He's a brain surgeon, an inventor, and a Rocky War veteran, author of No Place to Hide. But he's got a brand new book out called I've Seen the End of You. And uh, Dr. Warren's with us right now. Lee, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Sean. Good to yeah. be back with y'all. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Take for care. being here again, Dr. Warren. Um, this looks like a terrific book. Um, it just came uh, yesterday, and so I haven't really had uh, more time. I haven't been able to look at the whole thing, but I've glanced at it a bit. And, you know, parts of it have already broken my heart. Um, parts of it have really inspired me. And I guess my first question for you is, John mentioned being in that savior role. You know, when someone's facing something very dire and you're the neurosurgeon who's um, tasked with, you know, fixing it, so to speak, how do you deal with that? Well, I think part of that comes with repetition. That's why you train so long. But part of it's just being a good human being, just learning how to, to be there with people in their darkest hours and empathizing with their troubles and that's really where this book came from, Kathy, was just trying to study the process of how I could doctor people when they had problems I couldn't fix. Yeah, well, l- let me just say, though, that a lot of, um, 
and I don't mean to disparage your profession at all, but I worked in a school of medicine for a long time, and I'm sure you know this, a lot of neurosurgeons aren't very empathetic people. That's a shocker. Really? <laughs> You're kidding. I felt badly no, about saying it on the radio, but you know. Well, I think part of that is, is natural in the sense that w- when you deal with hard things so often, a fairly natural response is to become to, to kind of put yourself behind a wall and sure. become a technician, deal with the thing. But I think my Christian faith and my upbringing uh, by parents who taught me to care more about other people than I do about myself, I think that's probably what did that for me. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Warren, you're, you are an anomaly in some ways because I've seen the end of you. You talk about what you learned about praying for your patients. I mean, tell us about that. What, what do you learn? You, people are with you, and, and, and your specialty is brain tumors. So I've seen the end of you. You clearly know what's about to happen. You know, you've been with hundreds, if not a thousand patients, and seeing the end, but you still choose to pray. And that was really the question that started me on the path of writing this book was, how can I honestly tell you to maintain hope and fight through this thing when I when I look at the scan and I know what's probably going to happen. This particular tumor glioblastoma that I really wrote the book about is almost always fatal. The five-year survival rate is really close to zero. And so if you look at a scan and I see that, that tumor and I, and I know in my mind what it is, I, I used to say, I've seen the end of you. I would know what was going to happen in my mind. But at the same time, the Bible tells me that God can heal, and neuroscience tells me that it's important for people to hold on to hope because if you give up hope, you really give up everything. Right? If you if you have hope, then you can maintain your quality of life and improve your relationships and re, you know hold on to your family even though your body is going through all this. So I, I, I started that this book with the premise of how do I learn how to pray for people when I can't save them, when I know what's going to happen to them medically, how do I have faith? How do I help them have faith anyway? Right. Okay. So in, I've seen the end of you, you, you really go into some beautiful stories about patients and you tell the story uh, about a bad guy, a guy who, right. And we would just nod our head and go, Oh yeah, that, he's a bad guy, but he was your patient, but you saw something happen into his life. Please tell us this story. Mm-hmm. And so you're referring to a person that we called Joey. I called Joey in the book. And, um, and by the way, I trained in Pittsburgh. So this all, all these things happened in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh and other places that I've practiced. But I trained at Allegheny General. So Fabulous. shout out to my friend. The GH. Um, yeah, I was there for six years. But so Joey was a guy who um, was basically a drug dealer. He had had a really down and out kind of life. He was abandoned by his dad. His mother died. And, and he just had never had anything go right for him. So he actually got hit in the head uh, while being arrested, and that led him to the hospital where he had brain hemorrhage. And while operating on him, we discovered that he also had a brain tumor that had not been diagnosed and turned out to be a low-grade tumor. And he could have been cured by the good fortune of having had that injury that led to diagnosing this tumor early. Um, but he just couldn't see it that way. He was bitter and angry and and his whole life had been, you know, negative. And so he started out the story with, with just having all this stuff stacked against him. But over the course of time, through his grandmother and his sister and a hospital chaplain that just kept loving on him and just kept showing him the love of Christ, he had this remarkable turnaround. And while he was dying, he came to life in his spirit. And he ended up 
saying that the last year of his life was the best year of his life and just showed the power of transforming power of, of Christ's love in our heart. Wow. That's fabulous. That really is. Uh, okay, so people like that, though, they, they had to be unusual, right? I mean, Joey, there, there were probably other, other people that were just, they fell into pits of despair, but still you were trying to be that doctor, that guy who was praying for people. Now, again, later on in the, in the, in the book, I read about your chaplain friend, and your, Pastor John, I think is his name, but he gave you some good advice. Yeah, so, you know, as I started studying these, this this concept of how people deal with hard things, I was I thought I was trying to learn how to be a better doctor, of course, but I noticed there's there's patterns of how people behave, and, and one of them is they, they start where they think their life is pretty squared away, and as soon as something bad happens to them, everything crumbles. And those people, their faith proves to be fairly shallow, and even if they survive their illness or whatever that bad event was, they become bitter about it and never regain their peace or quality of mind. I call them crashers. Uh, and then there's other people that are hopefully most of us where they hit something hard, it kind of knocks them down for a while, but their faith rescues them. Like they come back and they're okay. Yeah. And then the group like Joey, where they, they start out from nothing and somehow the, the Lord opens up their heart and uses the bad thing to turn their life around. Um, mm-hmm. And so I saw all these different patterns. And then, of course, if you've read very far into the book, you realize that um, we lost a child suddenly in 2013 and and that's when i realized that god was helping god was taking me through the process of studying all those hard things to prepare me for the hard thing i was going to encounter Mm. w W. lee warren is with us i want to just show the book here for those of you watching on facebook um i've seen the end of you is his new book a neurosurgeon's look at faith doubt and the things we think we know so dr warren i'm I'm really glad you brought up your son mitchell because as i'm reading and, and shockingly so uh, I'm sorry to say, right? You know this. This is the anniversary of his death. Yes, today is the eighth anniversary of losing Mitch. I'm so sorry. So, thank you. Tell us that story. I mean, you know, I, I know in reading about you that you know your relationship, like a lot of guys with their, you know, their dads, it, it comes and goes, and that was the story of you and Mitchell, right? But as he was coming back to you. That's when he passed away, and it's a heartbreak of a story, but it's an important story, too. Yeah, it was, the, it was one of those moments you feel like God's playing some kind of cruel joke on you, where Mitch had, had graduated high school and kind of fallen into a crowd at college that wasn't the best and kind of, kind of, kind of lost his way for a while, and we were struggling with our relationship and been almost estranged for about a year, and he just was really kind of rebelling against his upbringing and you know, doing what a lot of young men do. Sure. And then um, actually on a Monday, the 19th of August of 2013, he called me um, and he said, Dad, I'm I'm sorry. I, 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 I want to come home. Like, I want to get back in school. I want to kind of square things away. I miss you. And I want to I put my life back together. And we had this great conversation the last thing my son ever heard me say was how much I loved him and I was mm-hmm. proud of him and I look forward to seeing him in a couple of days. And, and then the next day he died. Um, and it just felt like this, you know, like a cruel joke, right? Like a, yeah. like the, some kind of a, a gotcha moment. And, and we didn't know how to deal with that. And so it turns out that um, all these things I had learned about how people handle hard things I, I all of a sudden was no longer just observing them, but I was living them. 
and I found out I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. Yeah. I can't imagine that type of, uh, of shock and heartache. And, and Leah, I wonder what's changed, um, you know, in these intervening years, do you, uh, how have you come to terms with God's decision to allow you to speak to him, to say what you did and then have him die so quickly after? Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think the, the, the big thing, Kathy, is that you realize that there's Oswald Chambers said he's an old old pastor and writer, and he said you have to you have to fear God or you fear everything else. And what I did was I said, wow, if I if I really believe what the Bible says that there's a resurrection, that means that, that the only chance I get to have an opportunity to see Mitch again is in the resurrection. And Paul says that if, if if there's no resurrection, then all of us Christians are to be pitied more than anybody. So I had to say, well, if I want to believe that promise, I can't be selective. If, if God says the Bible never, never is, is all true and that God can't tell a lie, and I want to believe that promise that I get to see my son again, then all the other promises in that book have to be true as well. And so I started looking for promises that I could kind of build my new life around, even though I was so mad and so angry. And I found little ones like Psalm 3418 that says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And I started noticing that in those darkest days, just right when I didn't think I could take another step, my phone would ding and it would be a text message from somebody saying they were praying for me. Or I would be up in the middle of the night and Lisa would, my wife would come down the hall and say, hey, I I just woke up. And I don't know why I woke up, but I'm coming to check on you. If something would happen, somebody would email a scripture and God was close to us in those moments. When we didn't feel like he could be, he was there. And then I found those verses that Christians say at the wrong times, like like uh, Romans eight twenty eight, mm-hmm. the Lord will work everything for good, right? right? It's a terrible thing to say to somebody who lost their child, by the way. Yes. But, but don't say that right off the yes, bat. Thank you. But what happens is over time, you start seeing things that are good, that have come about after that, that your family's still together. You, you start you start noticing that you've, you've managed to somehow strengthen your marriage because of the pain together. There's, there's good things that are coming out of it. Yeah. And it's not a good thing, but at the same time, good things are happening, that God is ministering to you in those moments. And so over time, I just rebuilt my relationship with the Lord, and I realized before it had been more transactional, where it was God, do this for me, do that for me, you know, save me, send me to heaven, forgive my sins, help me find my car keys. You know, and now it was, I cannot survive if you don't give me the juice mm-hmm. to get through this. I've got to have you or I can't get out of bed. And that turned out to be, I think, transformational in my life as a person, my work as a physician, my work as a writer, and my relationship with the Lord. It just, it's no longer transactional. Now it's it's really relational, and that's the big difference. So then, Lee, looking at people's brain tumors, seeing the end of them, or hoping to see Mitchell one day, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? If, if you don't have hope in your life, then life really isn't worth living. That's right, and that's the, that's the diagnosis that I made that I wrote this book around, is that brain cancer is not the most deadly disease that humans can face it's hopelessness. Like whatever is making you hopeless, if it's a divorce, if it's a brain tumor, if it's you lost somebody, 
you, 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 the market went the wrong way, whatever's created that hopelessness, if you don't fix the hopelessness piece, it doesn't matter what happens to the circumstance because the circumstances can never actually make you happy. The circumstances can never actually give you peace because the target's always moving, right? So at the end of the day, you have to find a way to base your hope on something that never changes. And the only thing that never changes is the fact that Christ loves you and died for you. Lee, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Lee. God bless you. Peace be with you on this day. Thank you. Yeah. That's W. Lee Warren. He's a brain surgeon. He's an inventor. He's an Iraq war veteran and a writer. We only got to about 2% of Lee's story in the last 12 minutes or so. Um, His most recent book I'm holding in my hand, I've Seen the End of You, a neurosurgeon's look at faith, doubt, and the things we think we know. It's fabulous, really. Really, really something. Remember the kids' game, Telephone? The teacher would whisper in the first kid's ear, I have a purple giraffe named Lucy. And then each kid would whisper that to the next kid to see if the message could make it to the end. At the end, little Johnny would of course yell out, My paper airplane is storming your Barbie castle. It's Ryan. And the point I'm trying to make is, sometimes, middlemen can create problems. At United Faith Mortgage, an important thing about us is that we have a direct lender advantage. We are an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. For you, this often allows us to get your loan done faster. And because we lend with our company's money, we can often get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Don't let pests haunt your home this year. Get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. When bats and rodents move in, Boo and his Bug Stoppers team are ready to serve them an eviction notice. Get a free quote on your pest problem today with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee to safely treat your problem until it's gone. When it comes to solving your pest problem, who are you going to call? Boo's Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. Confused about Medicare? Let me help you navigate the maze. My name is Tom Jacopin, agency owner at West Penn Life and Health in Washington. My staff and I represent several Medicare health plans that you know and trust. And we've helped many people just like you with caring, personal attention. Medicare can be confusing. So now's the time to schedule your meeting with me where you can ask questions and get answers you'll fully understand. Call today and ask for me, Tom Jacopin, at West Penn Life and Health, 724-228-7187. We offer real solutions for life, health, Medicare, and annuities. And we're a member of the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating for a reason. Call West Penn Life and Health right now, 724-228-7187. And ask for me, Tom Jacopin, 724-228-7187. Or find us online at westpenhealth.com. Are you interested in helping people with addiction? Do you want to help others through private practice counseling? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Counseling degree, as well as a Ph.D. in Counselor Education and Supervision. Visit waynesburg.edu. Your life, your hopes, and whatever you are searching for at 1.15 a.m., 
It's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Saw a story about a guy, Gus Albritton. Gus Albritton's 71 years old. And uh, he graduated from high school in 1969, Pasco High School in Dade City, Florida. The very next day, because he was drafted, he was sent to basic training in Fort Benning wow. in Georgia. And then he spent a year in Vietnam. And while he was in Vietnam, he, uh, he was injured three times. Uh, the first time, uh, he got shot in his uh, shoulder. Second time, uh, there was um, shrapnel from a grenade that was thrown at him that he got um, shrapnel in his face uh, and in his legs. And the third time, he got shot three times in his foot, in his groin, and in his hands. So for that, that year, that rough year that he spent in Vietnam, he got three Purple Hearts. He came back to Florida, and uh, he worked as a deputy sheriff for the um, Henderton County. And uh, it's like 50 miles north of Tampa. He came home from work one day in uh, 1982, and somebody had ransacked his house and robbed him of stereo, some firearms. And they took a gigantic five-gallon water container. You've seen those. You know. mm-hmm. Sure. And he had that thing filled with coins and he put his purple hearts in there for safekeeping. Oh, and they were gone. No. About a month or so ago, he um, he moved. Uh, he's 71. He retired to Georgia. And so he's been volunteering at the local VA hospital for the last couple of decades playing guitar in the lobby. And uh, he walked into the VA and they said, hey, Gus, we got a, a message for you. Some guy reached out and he said, he found your purple hearts. They gave him this guy's phone number. And sure enough, another guy back in Florida, in Brooksville, Florida, went to a yard sale. And there were Gus Alberton's purple hearts. On the back, it said his name. For the dedication of your service, Gus Alberton. Three purple hearts. And so this guy who found him said, "I, I did a quick Google search. I mean, how many Gus Albertons can there be? Sure enough, they connected. A couple of days later, these three Purple Hearts arrived in a FedEx box. And almost 40 years later, Gus Albertons got his Purple Hearts back. Isn't that cool? Good thing his name wasn't like Sam Smith. John Hall. Exactly. You met another John Hall in your life? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a guy up in um, Latrobe. He's a contractor. And I was years ago. I mean, if we used to, I, when I was a kid, I used to look in the white pages. Let's see all the other halls. All the other John halls. Oh. You know? Yeah. It's, There's a bass player in town by that name. Is there? Mm-hmm. John Hall. It's pretty common, right? It's like Ed Smith, Bob Smith. I guess. I've never, I mean, I've never met a Kathy Bletchars. That was my maiden name. Right. Because, of course, that's very, there are a couple other Kathy Emmons. I have heard that from people. Look on Emmons, Facebook. though, surprisingly, it's such a simple name. It's very unusual. Emmons. Yeah. I actually, um, I have a friend of a friend who does a lot of genealogical research. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, Emmons is an unusual name. Interesting. And I thought, what? Yeah. It's like so straightforward. 
Well, it's not Stockdale. No, it isn't. Christy Stockdale. What's your ethnicity, Christy Stockdale? Um, I think on my mom's side, she's her family's from Poland. Okay. And my dad, I think, is from like Germany, somewhere Stockdale, over there. The Stockdale family. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got the um, we got the German pole in there. Mm-hmm. We have. I'm here with the Irishman. Yep. English Irish. My the dad English. was English. Okay. Yeah. And I've got the uh, British Polish thing going on here. God bless America. Mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. America great? Sure is. And God bless Gus Alberton and the kind mm-hmm. stranger who found his three purple hearts and for that service. Anyway, God bless you mm-hmm. for being here, putting up with our Tom Fullery. <laughs> Have a great night tonight. Join us right back here tomorrow. I'll try to do the top four at four tomorrow as opposed to the top four at five. That's fine. I mean, we like a little change. mix it up here on the right hand. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.